if you'd like to take a seat. Again, it's great to remind ourselves of who God is when we come to worship. Because um, when we get that perspective, when we get our focus and our attention on God, it helps us kind of get settled and centred in the world. Uh, and it's good for us. So it's good to be together worshipping and reminding ourselves who God is. So we're um, continuing on in this series of Onwards Together, and uh, we're looking over the last, couple, the last couple of weeks and next week as we finish this series off, um, we've been looking at the gifts and being the body of Christ together and uh, the importance of that and serving one another humbly in love. And the concept of the body is quite easy in terms of the gifts and, and the body together. Paul has that brilliant uh, imagery and analogy where he says we are the body of Christ out of this passage in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, and so it's really quite a simple concept. If you come back with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where we picked this up a few weeks back, where it says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And so the idea that God has given gifts, uh, they're different, they work different ways in different circumstances and settings, but the essential important thing to recognise is they all come from God uh, and they're all about building up the body. Uh, And Paul's particular problem was he had a lot of infighting going on about the gifts and which gifts were more important than others, uh, which gifts were more spiritual than others. Uh, And unfortunately, that brings a disunity uh, and conflict into the church. And Paul was trying to address that. Uh, And we're doing this in sense of getting people to focus in on their gifts because we still have a similar problem, even though it's not the same as Paul's, and we still have a similar problem of this hierarchy of gifts and some gifts are seen as more important than others, uh, some gifts are seen as more spiritual than others. But when we come back and look at these uh, with the, the eyes of what Paul is trying to do here, we again remind ourselves but that actually is not the kingdom of God. That's where we let the influence of our culture dictate to us what we think is more important than other things, when Paul is pretty clear in saying, no, they're all important, they're all needed, and they're all from God. So last week, you should have been looking at, and I'm pretty sure Kylie was picking up, we broke the gifts up into two groups to try and help go through them and encourage people to use their gifts. So last week, we looked at the five-fold gifts out of Ephesians 4, where it says the prophet teacher, apostle, evangelist, and pastor. Uh, And those five gifts are the kind of like the five things the church needs uh, for it to function effectively as the people of God in the world. So you need an apostle because you need people who will pioneer work and do the new things. Uh, You need teachers so that they can actually teach people the truth and, and what the scriptures are saying and help guide people. You need prophets for when we get out of line and off kilter so they can call us back to the core message of God and to call us out when we're getting it wrong. Uh, We need evangelists because we need to be able to actually go out from ourselves and reach out to the world and we need those gifts and we need pastors in the sense that we need people to care so that we can build community. Um, So they're really important things and they're often about coordinating groups. 
Those gifts are often about how you organise, lead and coordinate groups of people for a corporate effort in some way or another. Uh, And so it's important for us to uh, encourage people to use those gifts and to uh, lead in that way so that we can build up the church. Now, the other thing we broke up to is the serving helping gifts. Now, they're all serving helping gifts in that way, but one is aimed at... Uh, a corporate effort and doing things together and the other one's more an individual aimed at uh, blessing others and an individual effort. Uh, Now that sometimes means blessing a group uh, but it's not aimed at coordinating or organising or a a corporate effort, it's aimed at blessing a group. Uh, For instance, uh, a couple of weeks back when we had Ted Hand's funeral at Rosebud, uh, on the Sunday in the morning service when we were talking about the gifts, Uh, we mentioned we had the service for Ted the next day. Well, I came back down in the afternoon uh, to set up an overflow area for the funeral service and without anyone asking, without anyone being instructed, a group of people had noticed because it had been warm and we'd had a little bit of rain, the grass had grown pretty quickly. So a group of people without no instruction, just decided to turn up and mow the grass so it would be looking beautiful the next morning for uh, Ted's funeral, in that sense. Now, that's the thing. Now, they blessed a whole group of people, but it was an individual, it was a couple of individuals, who decided, no, that's what I want to give as a blessing to others. They weren't trying to coordinate or organise anybody else. They were just trying to bring a blessing in that sense. So that's how we've kind of distinguished between these two sets of gifts. Um, And we need to be careful about that because if we press that too much, we end up doing the very thing that Paul's talking against, where we start getting groups and lists and hierarchies and all that sort of stuff, which is the opposite of what Paul's trying to say, that it is God that gives them. They're all about what God wants to do in, through us, um, to bless the world. So... With that in mind, let's kind of take a closer look now at some of these uh, helping, serving gifts and what God or what Paul is doing with this in Corinthians and elsewhere. So the first thing to note out of this passage um, from Corinthians is where Paul goes on to say, after saying they're all from God, says, now each one, uh, so to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Um, So the first thing we need to say about any of these gifts are they're not about me. They're not about drawing attention to me and about what I do. They're about what God is doing through me, the manifestation of God's spirit in us. Um, And that's one of the key things we've got to keep in mind because it's when we start thinking it's about me that we start this kind of comparative thing. Am I better than that person? Is my gift better than that person? Am I able to be seen by others as being someone who has a special gift? Now, we all want to be special, don't we? We all want to be the special one. Well, we are, but... In that sense, that doesn't make us any better than anyone else around us. Um, And so we've got to be careful that it's God in us, working through us, and that's what's being manifest. It's not something about us uh, particularly. So that's the first thing I want to say about any of these gifts we're about to look at. Um, So let's have a look at what Paul does in terms of these lists. Now, I should say this as well. Um, Paul gives several lists lists through uh, the New Testament. So we get the one in Corinthians uh, Corinthians 12, which we're going to look at in a bit more detail. Then we get a few more mentions of gifts in 13 and 14, Corinthians 13 and 14. Then we get the passage in Ephesians. Then we get the passage uh, in Romans as well. All kind of clustering different gifts at different times because 
Paul is talking to a, an occasion, a specific set of circumstances he's trying to address. Now, the reason I'm telling you all that is because just because these are the gifts listed doesn't mean that they are the only gifts God gives. It's just that Paul is particularly um, focused on these things at that time for the reasons um, he has with the problems he's facing in that time. All right, so we should keep that in mind that, that the that there's more gifts than we might just particularly see in these lists. All right, so the first one. Let's have a look at this where it says, um, to one there is given a spirit, uh, sorry, given the spirit a message of wisdom. Uh, different translations say a word of wisdom uh, and others say a, a gift of wisdom. But what it's actually essentially saying, there is a wisdom that is given via the Spirit to people. And then Paul adds to that, there's also a message of knowledge or a word of knowledge given. Now, why does Paul couple these two together in terms of a gift of the Spirit? What's actually going on here? Why separate these two things? Um, they're very close together. But one is, a gift of wisdom is the ability to say the right thing at the right time to a person in their particular circumstance that is a, a, an inspirational moment, a flash of inspiration from God to say that thing at the exact right time. And so that's what a gift of wisdom is or the message of wisdom, word of wisdom uh, is about that. That's like when Jesus is uh, approached by the Pharisees and they say to him, tell us by what authority do you do your ministry? And he says, hang on a minute, you tell me by what authority John has uh, and at that moment that's the exact thing he cuts to the heart of the issue that the Pharisees don't really care about his authority they're just trying to catch him out and so he puts them on the back foot and they have to then go oh we don't know and he says yeah well I'm not going to tell you either and walks off so brilliant move in that moment gift of wisdom um, or you get when Paul, uh, sorry, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin and they say, stop talking about Jesus. And then they have that flash of inspiration. He says, whom shall we listen to, God or to you? And it cuts to the core. This is about God and the kingdom of God, not about following men. So that's what it means, the gift of wisdom, as opposed to the gift of knowledge, whereas there is a specific details about a person's life given to you in a flash of inspiration by the Spirit to, for the purpose of either challenging Challenging that person to change what's going on in their life or to build them up in some way or another. So again, that's the sort of thing where Jesus is with the woman at the well and he says to her, go and tell your husband. And she goes, don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. And the f You've had five husbands and the man you're with at the moment isn't your husband. That's a gift of knowledge, that sense of being able to tell specific details about that person's life in a way that can only come from God. Uh, and then you get uh, the same thing with Paul in Acts, where they're on the ship, they're getting Paul's on his way to Rome, uh, and he says, men, we're going to be shipwrecked. Throw everything overboard uh, because he wanted to get less in the balance, get further so they can get closer to the land so when they are shipwrecked, less people will die. Um, Paul doesn't tell you that, but that's probably the most obvious reason. Um, but there's a gift of knowledge given to Paul about what's about to happen for the building up of the body, to save people's lives in that sense and to make sure he's going to get to Rome uh, for the sake of the gospel. So that's the difference between those two things. And Paul's making a distinction here because in the day... People were thinking the gift of knowledge was better than, more spiritual than, more impressive than the gift of knowledge, uh, the gift of wisdom. And it's not. They're just two different ways of the Spirit working in people's lives. And they're equally needed uh, for us to be the body. All right, then he goes on. The next one says the gift of faith. 
Another is given the gift of faith. Now, we all have the gift of faith. This seems crazy, doesn't it? You can't be a follower of Jesus without the gift of faith. It seems crazy for Paul to add this into the list. Yet, what he's actually talking about is the gift of faith that often goes along with apostles, uh, people who are the, the pioneers of something. They step out into the unknown. This is like when God calls Abraham and he says to Abraham, hey, grab your family, leave everything behind and go to a land that I will show you. He doesn't even know where he's going. You've got to step out in faith to do something like that, don't you? You've just got to say, well, I've got no clue, but I'm hearing God to say it, so I'm going to go do it. And so that's this sense of a gift of faith to step out when everything else doesn't look quite right or other people are saying, that sounds crazy, you shouldn't be doing that. Or you get when Peter steps out of the boat, um, when Jesus says, come out to me, and Peter steps out of the boat onto the water and walks on water. I mean, Every other you know, physical marker would have been telling you, don't get out of the boat. Uh, but Peter steps out in faith. So that's why Paul's including this in the list, this idea that people who have this extraordinary ability to step out and do something uh, that hasn't been done before. All right. Then he does this too. Another two gifts he puts together, the gift of healing and then the gift of miraculous powers. And again, why do that? Why, aren't they just the same thing? Aren't they just different versions of the same thing? And in actual fact, probably they are, but there's different degrees. So you get, so the gift of healing is most likely being referenced to people who pray for others um, who probably would have got better over a period of time, but miraculously through the power of the Spirit, they get healed at that moment or shortly after that. So when Jesus says to Peter's mother-in-law, when Mark's gospel, uh, she's in bed with a fever, she's been there for a couple of days, he walks in and says, hop up. Grabs her by the hand. Well, I don't know exactly what he said, but he said, you know, grabs her by the hand and she steps up. Now, she probably would have got better over a period of time, but she gets better at that moment. So that's a gift of healing. Uh, and we hear, and I've heard lots of stories of people praying for others um, who have the gift of healing and they get healed um, almost immediately or over a short period of time, but they probably would have got better. As opposed to the gift of, a mir- of miracle powers is like when Jesus goes to Lazarus goes and raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus wasn't getting better by himself. No, he'd been there four days. It was pretty obvious. So an absolutely miraculous moment where the power of God is demonstrated and for that purpose too, if you know the passage, um, so that people would believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So often this idea of miraculous powers is, is it, it's an extraordinary moment where God breaks forth breaks forth into the world in a way that demonstrates his power and is meant to point to him, not to the person doing the actual praying or laying hand on of hands. Um, and so we do see that from time to time. Um, and, it, and the fact that it's not very often, it's quite rare, is the reason why it's miraculous. I mean, if it was every day, if it was every time you came to church, be, oh, we do that every week, there's nothing miraculous about that. Um, you know... It's because it is extraordinary uh, and out of the ordinary. All right, so that's that one. Now, then the next one is distinguishing um, between the spirits. Uh, again, so, so why did Paul have those two things together? Again, because people thought, saw the miraculous stuff as being more powerful and more spiritual than just the healing stuff. Right? And it's not. They're just God at work doing different things in different people at different times. So distinguishing between the spirits. Now, this was really important in Paul's day um, because they didn't have the scriptures, remember? 
Remember, they had little parchments. They only had little bits and pieces that they passed around. They didn't have all of the scriptures. So it was difficult for them to actually be able to discern what was true teaching and what was false teaching. And so they needed this gift of discernment to be able to distinguish between the Judaizers who were saying you had to go back to the law, because that makes sense, doesn't it? If all you've ever known um, is the Jewish way of life and the, and the Old Testament covenant, and people are saying, well, you've got to go back to that. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law uh, and the dietary requirements and all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you can't be accepted by God. Now, they think, well, actually, that makes sense. I mean, that's the way it's been for all that time. Why would God now change? But... That wasn't the new way. There was a new covenant and you needed to know, uh, you need to have the spirit of discernment or be able to distinguish so that you could tell the difference between those things because they didn't have the whole of the scriptures. Now we still need that gift in the church today because from time to time a new doctrine arises or emerges um, in the church and you have to be able to discern, is this really from God or is this just a manifestation of people's desire for power and for comfort or whatever it is? actually is, like that the doctrine of prosperity. I don't know if there may be people here who believe it, but let me say that it sounds right when you first hear it for the first time, um, the doctrine of prosperity, where because we are the children of God, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, kings aren't in poverty, they actually rule over things, their children shouldn't be in poverty, their children should live in a good house, they should go on good holidays, they should have a good car, they should dress well, they should have fancy jewellery and all that sort of stuff. And you think, well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you don't see king's children getting around in rags, do you? And then you think, oh, hang on, hang on, wait a minute, Jesus didn't have any of those things and you're not going to tell me he wasn't a child of the king. He was the only son of God, you know. Um, and so you need that. We still need that spirit um, be able to distinguish between the spirits. Um, is this from God or is this a manifestation of some other human desire that is being placed on the scriptures to try and lead us astray or because people uh, actually, our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things and most people don't even know they're doing this. Uh, it just happens. So it's when you need to distinguish between two things um, that God gives this gift to certain people to be able to do that. Then Paul finishes again and, there's, uh, and this is the biggest problem he was facing in Corinthians is there are different type, different kinds of tongues, and still, sorry, to some he gives uh, another, to another distinguished between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. And so we get there where Paul is trying to distinguish um, different types of tongues. So you had in Acts, at the start of Acts, you had the tongues that were where people could hear each other in the language. So they could hear other people speaking in their own language, even though they weren't from the same language group. And so that was a kind of evangelistic gift of tongues. Uh, That fits in with Ephesians, and we need evangelists. So evangelistic gift of tongues. Then you also had the pastoral gift of tongues, which Paul is talking about in Corinthians, uh, in lots of places in Corinthians. Uh, which is a prayer gift of praying and praying for others where you're speaking uh, directly to God uh, through the Spirit. And in Romans, it talks about that as being the groaning of the Spirit. Uh, And so that was the other uh, kind of tongue. And then the third one was the tongue, which was the prophetic 
gifts, uh, which was about saying something that the group there needed to hear and there would be an interpretation that went with that. Uh, and so that person would have the gift of interpretation. Um, and so Paul is doing these things uh, because they were the particular problems. But those gifts, and the reason I'm mentioning them specifically this morning, is because God still wants to use those gifts for different reasons at different times. And we should still be encouraging those things uh, for people to use those gifts. Now, unfortunately, again, because we, we do this um, in our minds and we have this competitive or this comparative thing going on, we, we see some of those gifts as being more important um, as manifestations of God at work in the world. And so they seem to be more spiritual. But look what Paul does. This is brilliant. Look what Paul does at the end of this whole flow of chapter 12. So he's been going through this whole thing. He's given the, the example of the body and says, look, we all need to work together. The bits you think are not that good are actually indispensable. And the bits that get plenty of recognition, we need to just let them kind of get that recognition and not pump it up any more than it is. Um, but then he actually finishes with this where he says, because we are the body of Christ, and then he finishes verse 28 and says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, this is not a hierarchical list, by the way, of importance. It's a, an it's a list of gifts of what he did. That's how you need these to start off with. You need someone to, to actually um, pioneer a work. You need someone who can actually speak the word of God um, prophetically. You need someone who can teach uh, and so on. But then he adds this. It says, then miracles, then gifts of healing and then of helping. So Paul actually joins the gift of helping with the gift of healing which means he's not making some great distinction between the two, as if one is a really spiritual gift and another one is not such a spiritual gift. But in actual fact, they are both manifestations of the Spirit. If you have the gift of helping, like that group of people who turned up to do the mowing, through the prompting of the Spirit, they decided that they would help by mowing the grass, that is a demonstration of God's body at work. That is a demonstration of the spirit at work in people. That is a manifestation of God in the world. And it's not any less spiritual than the person who speaks in tongues or has a gift of prophecy or a gift of knowledge. Um, they're the same things. And then the next one, this is the one that always fascinates me. Because it says, of guidance, right? But, but that's actually the Greek word governance. And a couple of translations translate this, um, the gift of administration. Now, have you heard such a thing? Um, the gift of administration. Now, it's not very often I hear people say, you know, in prayer times, Lord, please give me the gift of administration. I want that gift. That's the greatest gift of all. You know, you don't hear people praying for that. But what Paul is actually doing, he's saying that gift is equally as important. So what we tend to think because of our cultural perspectives, that administration is boring, it's the kind of backroom stuff, nobody really wants to do it. But Paul is actually putting it in here with all the other gifts, saying it is critical for the church. We need people because the gift, it's actually not, a, we think of administration as paperwork, but the actual point of the gift have I lost connection I have um, Landon can you just flick it on and off I've just lost connection for some reason I flick the uh, that's it um, uh, 
in actual fact, it's not about paperwork. It's about being able to organise um, a system of things that make it easy for people to engage in something. Uh, so you get the... Am I still not on? No. All right. Looks like we've got no more slides, folks. So we'll, we'll just... Uh, we'll get through it. All right. I oh, know. There it is. Um, so... It's about organising and making systems of things so people can actually get through and um, can do things and access things easily. And we need that and we need those systems in place. So that, that's what Paul does at the end of Corinthians. But then look what he does in Romans. The next passage. There we go. Back to manual. All right. Um, so we get from Paul in here in Romans. We see it again where it says... We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. And so again, the same principle. God gives each of these gifts to us according to the grace given us. And then he goes on to the list. He says prophesying. Then he says, um, if, you, uh, sorry, if your gift is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we're, and we're getting this whole picture that these gifts are important. And if you have these gifts, we need to use them. We've got to actually see them as being from God and critical for the church. We need people with these gifts um, because, unfortunately, what we end up having is this either devaluing gifts or, which comes along with a gift's envy, you know, people have this gift envy where they want another gift that they don't have and they don't use the gifts that God's given them. Now, I'll tell you the story. Look at that picture. Yeah, there. So we have this idea that some gifts are more worthy than others. Um, a long time ago, I worked with a young guy. Well, we're both young at that stage. Um, worked with this guy who was a gun administrator, absolutely brilliant. What would take me two days to organise and sort out and get all in order and all that sort of stuff, he could do in two hours and it would be twice as good as my effort from two days. He was brilliant. But unfortunately, because of the culture of the church we were in at the time, because we were volunteering today, together on a team, because of the culture of the church we were in at the time and a broader kind of thing that was going on in Baptist churches in Queensland, um, if, if anyone remembers the, the early 90s, um, I'm sure you do, uh, there was this whole thing about Bill Hybels and um, all this stuff about leadership. And so the leadership gift was the gift to have. And if you had the, lift of, if you had the gift of leadership, then you were someone special. Um, and th unfortunately, this guy had bought into that. So even though he was a gun administrator, all he really wanted to do was lead. He wanted to be up front. He wanted to preach and do all those kinds of things. Now, they weren't his gifting. Yes, like me, I'm not gifted administrator. Yes, I could do it. It would take me two days. It wouldn't be that good, but at least I could get the job done. Well, it was the same for him. You know, he wasn't a gifted leader or a gifted preacher, but he could get the job done, but took a lot of effort. It was never that great in that sense. And that's the type of thing I'm saying. We've got to kind of cut away our um, our perspective that's given to us by the world and come back to this with the perspective of the kingdom of God. And that is God gives everyone the gifts as he um, needs them in the church. In fact, I think that's this next verse. If we get this up. This is back from Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians again, chapter 12, where it says there, but God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, Every one of them, 
not just some, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And so whatever gifts you have are the gifts God wanted you to have. We need to be able to celebrate that and do the inner work. If you're struggling with that, if you feel like, wow, I wish I had these gifts or I wish I had those gifts and you're struggling with that, we need to do that inner work of actually being able to come back and be content in God and who he's called us to be. And that's hard work. You know, there's been plenty of times when I hear, uh, when I hear Jamie Cullen playing piano and singing, I wish I had the gift of singing and music, you know. Um, when I hear uh, people like Thomas uh, Sowell speak, I wish I had the intellect, I wish I had a hundredth of the intellect of that man. But that is not what God's calling for me. I need to be able to go back and say, okay, God, what are the gifts you've given me? I need to just be comfortable and confident in those because that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about me. It's not about doing something that I think other people value, but it's about doing what God is calling me to do. All right. Um, That's where I want to finish up today. Encourage people. Seek God. Find out what your gifts are. Um, Often you'll know what your gifts are because other people will recognise them in you and then to use those wherever you are in, your, in the church or outside the church, in your workplace or wherever you find yourself serving. Use those gifts as a way of blessing other people. And so I've been asking the Rosebud congregation to be praying and asking God to show that to you um, where you might serve to actually build up the body to be a blessing. Uh, to others. So can I encourage you with that as we finish this this morning? Uh, Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you again for your goodness and your kindness, your mercy. Father, I want to thank you for your spirit that's at work in us. Every one of us has a gift that you've given us to serve with. Father, I pray again for that confidence and security in you to step out and use those gifts so that we might be the people of God together, a bright shining light into the world, and we might bless others and point them to Jesus. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. All righty.